But I want to continue our look at this idea of you are not the boss of me. And what Jesus pointed out is that there are a lot of things that control us. Um, and many times we, um, we put a lot of effort into just putting on a good exterior. Uh, we put a lot of effort in monitoring our behavior, uh, in um, uh, looking good for other people, and yet uh, Jesus um, uh, told his disciples in, in, after an uh, encounter with the Pharisees, who the Pharisees were experts in this, they loved looking at the outside, they loved um, putting on this show of looking really good for everyone, following all the rules, and uh, then they got mad at Jesus because he didn't always do things the way that they thought things should be done, uh, and yet Jesus' response was this in Matthew, um, we talked about this last week, he said to them, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You see, it's easy uh, to honor God with our lips, to do everything on the outside, and yet our heart is far from him. What he's saying is, instead of really letting God change us fully and have control, our heart really controls us. Even though we put on a good show on the outside, many of us are being controlled by our heart. And, and Jesus is saying, you've got to stop this. We have got to begin to understand that our heart um, those things that come from within, they do not control us. They are not to be the boss of us. Um, no matter how much we do uh, behavior modification and, and uh, uh, make sure we monitor everything we say so we don't, nothing slips out or we don't do the right, right, wrong thing, we are truly being bossed by our hearts. And Jesus says you need to be careful of that because your heart was never meant to be the boss of you. Um, it is a gift, our emotions, our feelings, those things all inform us, but they are never meant to control us. Uh, he called his people to him right after this, and he said to them, you need to hear and understand. It is not what goes in the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. In other words, if we do not have the right boss over our life, um, we can look as good as we want on the outside, but we are going to be defiled, we are going to be uh, found guilty, we are going to be uh, uh, condemned before God because of what's inside of us. A couple verses later, Jesus said this, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. He says, all of this is going on in your heart. It may not be going on in what you do, but it's going on in your heart. And it's what comes out of your heart that God is looking at. God is looking at what controls your heart. 
What controls your thoughts? What controls what you are really thinking and feeling? Um, That is that unseen puppet master that is controlling you. Um, You can come to church and play the game and look really good, but until we cut the strings from the things of our heart controlling us, we are always going to be detached from what God wants. And he tells us this. In Romans chapter 6, and we're we're getting to where we're going to read today, but in chapter 6 he says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. See, many of us say, well, I'm not a a, a boss. I'm not a slave uh, to anyone else. I I believe in Jesus, and I love God, and and, uh, nothing else slaves me. He says, well, you don't understand. If you keep giving in to these emotions, if you keep giving in to these desires, if you just uh, keep uh, fostering all those things within then you are a slave to that. Whether you call yourself that or not, whether you recognize it or not, you are a slave. Maybe you're a slave to what other people think. You're a slave of popularity. You want to be the best uh, in a certain uh, 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 field that you have dreams and hopes of. Many times we are slaves to accomplishments. We want, we want to accomplish in life. Things that we, we have goals and dreams, but you're never meant to be a slave to that dream. And we say, I'm not, I'm not, but yet, We can see that we are by your priorities. Jesus says, who you follow, who you give priority in your life, you're a slave to that. And you need to understand that. And many of us um, have ignored that or not wanted to see that. And many of us, we have lied to ourselves that, no, I'm not a slave to sin. You know, I, I believe in Jesus and he's forgiven my sins, but yet we continue to offer ourselves to those things in our life that become more important to God. Anything that, that, that orders your priorities, that orders your schedule, that orders your, how you spend your money, how you spend your thought life, where your focus is, then that is your master. And most of it comes from uh, our heart. It th- comes from the things that we treasure the things that we love, and God just becomes a, a little figurehead in our life. Kind of like the Queen of England. She gets a lot of pomp and circumstance, a lot of you know, uh, uh, recognition, but how many know she has no power in governing what goes on in England? Many times that's what we do with God. He's like the Queen of England. Boy, you know, he's right up front and, and we give him a lot of, of uh, fanfare. But you know what? He has no power in our life because as soon as something comes up, he's in, he's in the back seat. And we have got to begin to say, you're not going to be the boss of me. So we're going to look at a lot of these things that are in our heart that we deal with Um, that control they control the direction of our life they control the reactions that we have to circumstances many times when things happen um, uh, and we do something we look back and say why did I do that that's not me which is the biggest lie because the only reason you did that 
we see it as, well, that was just a one-time slip, right? Do we ever say, I just slipped up. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. Why did I do that? That's just a one-time thing. What it is, is it was a one-time revelation that you let the, the blinders slip, but it was not a new thing. It was within you. That is who you are. Because it's, some, it's those things that are within us that we've learned to cover up really good, but every now and then they pop out. And it doesn't mean that that was just something that happened. It was something that was in you already. And so we need to look at what are these things that are in us. And sometimes we don't even recognize them. And so today we're going to look at uh, something that, that uh, we deal with that many times we don't even realize we deal with. And, and many of you, I might say this word and you're going to say, oh no, I don't have a problem with that at all you know other people do I know a lot of people that have but but not me And we need to be very careful because these things have subtle uh, places in our heart that we don't even realize they are there and we wouldn't even recognize that but yet they are controlling us they are affecting um, how we respond to people how we um, uh, uh, what drives us in our life and today we're going to talk about things that have happened in the past how many know your past controls you? Um, there are things that have happened uh, that have hurt us. There are things that have happened uh, that have disappointed us in the past. There's things that have happened that, that have given us regrets that we want to forget. But all of those things uh, usually um, are summed up uh, in this word. Guilt. And a lot of us, guilt controls us, or it, at least it affects us. And maybe sometimes it's not about controlling your whole life, but there's certain areas of your life that it controls you. And if it even controls you in one area of your life, then that means that God does not have complete control. And so you might say, my whole life is not controlled, but how many know that all of a sudden you get into one circumstance and that thing will always pop up because it'll control you when you get into that one. Now, you might try and avoid that circumstance at all costs. But that still means that guilt has a hold on you. Um, now, guilt can look at it like in different ways. Sometimes it's guilt. The basic one is guilt of we've done something that we know we're guilty of. Um, and, and there's regret, there's a, a sense of I know I was wrong, um, and there is a sense that's the traditional way of guilt. Now sometimes the guilt that, that we're struggling with is false guilt. There's also the guilt that people have told us we're guilty of, that maybe we weren't guilty of, but yet we are dealing with something in our past that we've been told over and over again, maybe you're not good enough, you weren't, and we feel guilty, and it's, it's a false guilt. But how many know it still controls us? It still has a hold on us, uh, whether we did it or not. Uh, of course, a lot of times we know we did it, and, and there's that guilt. But then there's a third type of guilt. There's a guilt that we hold over other people. That, you know what, this happened in my life, and that person is guilty. They are guilty of hurting me. They are guilty of, of doing something against me. And, and so there is a guilt, maybe it's not ours, but we hold it over. And that guilt of someone else, and maybe they did do something. And it controls us. And we need to deal with it. If we do not deal with it, 
um, it eats away at us. Now here's the last type of guilt that we need to understand that we sometimes feel this and we don't want to admit it sometimes, but many times we hold God guilty. There's many times that we think God is guilty of something. Maybe we don't think that he has treated us right. Maybe there's a sense of God's not fair because other people got this and I didn't. And you know what that is? That's a sense of saying, God, you're guilty of, of, of not giving me what I deserve, right? That there's that sense of, because guilt is always something that, that has affected something that we think we deserve. So we need to deal with these things in all the different areas of guilt, um, of things that have happened in the past. And, and you might call it hurt, you might call it disappointment, but it comes down to guilt. Because here's what guilt is. Uh, guilt um, really is a debt. It is something that was taken and it needs to be paid back, right? Guilt is you did something, um, you broke something, um, whether it's a law, whether it's an expectation, um, you took something from someone, from yourself, from God, um, someone took it from you, something you thought you deserved. And so guilt is really a debt-debtor relationship. And we even use those terms, right? Um, we say someone, if we've done something wrong, um, we say that we owe someone an apology. See, we may not be able to, but we even use that word, I owe them. I owe an apology because we know that there's a debt there. There's, there is something that, that is owed. If something went wrong and we owe someone or they owe us, um, uh, we even say, um, uh, when we recognize it, um, I need to make it right with someone else. I need to pay them back. I need to make it right. So we understand that guilt is any kind of debt-debtor relationship where there is something owed because something has been taken. Something is missing, right? That, that is not, we are not whole anymore because of uh, some action, but how it is experienced in our life, even though it is a debt-debtor, uh, really, the way we experience it is as a weight. The way guilt works is it weighs us down. Now, you may not always be thinking about it. You may not always even be aware of it. But it is like having a weight uh, that you are carrying around in your life. Um, and, and like I said, sometimes you may not even be aware, but you may feel frustrated. You may feel like things in life seem to just always exhaust me. I'm stressed out. And yet many times the, that, that stress, that frustration, that uh, upset, it, it, it usually is not maybe what you think it is. We, we blame work or we blame um, uh, society and things, that, and many times... Even though those things are what we focus on, it's really because there's a weight that we're carrying that is making work and society and the things that we're going through much harder. But it's not, it's not those circumstances. It's the weight. It's like if you go for a, a, a race and you're racing against someone, um, you know, but you're carrying a backpack of bricks on your back. 
And you know what we say? This race is really, that was a, just a hard race. No, it wasn't the race. It was the backpack that was, that was weighing you down that made the race such a pain. And yet we call it the wrong focus. We, we get stuck on the wrong thing. And many times in our life, there's guilt. There's something in our life, whether it's hurt, whether it's something in our past, whether it's blaming, or maybe it's something we just think was not right from God. That is the source of this weight. And when we carry this weight, it, anytime you have a weight, it puts you off balance. So that, that when you are going through life, many times we respond. Because how many know when you're off balance... It causes you to have to respond in, in a lunging, in a different way to regain your balance. And many times in life, um, when we are responding and trying to catch up, and we're just trying to get free, what we're trying to do is find balance because of this weight that is throwing us off balance. So guilt is this debt. There is something in our life that has been taken from us, or we have taken from someone else, uh, or uh, we feel is missing. So there's this debt, but we feel it like a weight. And we can't always pinpoint where that weight is. But we feel it as a weight in our life. But here's the thing. It shows up because that weight will pretty soon leak from us. These things within our heart, they leak out of us. So in our heart, we are experience this debt, we feel the weight, but I'm going to tell you, you know how it comes out of us? It comes out of us as anger. It will always show up in a form of anger. Now again, anger is not always just blowing up and just ripping someone's head off. Sometimes anger shows up in, you know, we use the word a lot today, passive aggressiveness. You know, um, maybe it's just... Um, uh, uh, moods that we get in um, uh, anger is is sometimes just annoyance we, we are easily annoyed and it leaks out of us in how we treat other people and how we treat circumstances in our life because guilt will always that weight will always evolve into some form of anger and anger will always leak it will leak out um, uh, and, and and we will always deal with it so many times when we think we have had an anger we and we're probably going to talk about anger because there is a a source of anger itself but many times if we're dealing with a lot of annoyance where we just feel like that we need to ask ourselves is there some form of guilt that we really need to deal with it's not the anger you need to deal with you need to deal with the guilt that has evolved and it's leaking out as anger so we need to deal with these things. Now the problem is, as we deal with the, the things that have happened in our life, the unfair things, or the things that we have done, and we've blown it, what we usually try and do is we try and cover it up. We just, okay, you know, we'll acknowledge it maybe once, okay, take it, I just want to move on, right? We even use those terms, let's just move on. And, and by doing that, we try and distance ourselves from it. Uh, we try and deny it. I'm not guilty. I don't, I don't have any problem with guilt. I don't feel guilty, right? The people that really, you know, uh, uh, deny anything and they think, I'm carefree. I don't, I, don't feel, I, I don't feel guilty for anything. If I did it, I just let it go. You know what they're doing is they're lying and they're building up and they're building up a weight within them because there is a debt. Any debt that you don't pay back, 
continues to grow, right? Even if it starts out as a nickel, after years of interest, that debt becomes. So you can ignore it and, and you can distance yourself from it. But here's the thing. Even as Christians, we were never meant to walk away from our past. And I know people will say, oh, yes, you know, God even says, you know, I've put your, your sins as far away from me as the east is to the west. You need to understand the context of that. He is speaking in the fullness of the, uh, uh, culmination of that sin. Um, he is not talking about he doesn't remember it. When he says, I don't remember your sin, he's talking about the consequences of that sin, that that sin has been taken care of. But he has never told us, you need to just pretend like it never happened. Now, we will be judged as if it never happened, but you see, we are never meant to just walk away or leave our past behind us because here's the thing. Um, our past, even our hurts, our scars, they are always meant to be a reflection of the grace of God. I want you to think about Jesus. When Jesus rose again, what did he say? He said, look at my hands. He didn't say, I'm going to forget the cross. I'm going to forget the pain of all that sin that the cross meant for me. See, the cross was never forgotten, even though it represented our sin. But it said, touch these scars. These scars, these scars show you that, that the grace of God was bigger than what happened. You see, our story is never to be forgotten, but it is to be a reflection of the grace of God. We are not meant to carry it as a weight, so we do need to deal with it, but we need to transform that guilt into a reflection of grace. And so it is, it is an act of, of transformation that God desires in us, not an act of uh, amnesia that you need to just forget it. I'm going to just keep working. I'm going to uh, you know, uh, uh, hypnotize you so that you never remember your hurts again. No, I want to remember my hurts because when I remember what I, my failures, my failures remind me that it is not me who earned it, but it is God. And by his grace, those failures give glory to God. Paul put it this way, in my weakness, he is made strong. And so we're not supposed to forget it. In fact, here's a first principle. Your past should always remind you, but never define you. Our past should always remind us, but never define us. You see, the guilt, we need to stop letting it define us, but let it remind us. In other words, that, that past, those hurts, those things that are within us, they need to point us to where we need to dwell on our thoughts. And that brings us uh, to what Paul tells us. Now, Paul is, is the perfect example. How many know that None of us will ever be as guilty as Paul was. Paul, uh, in the name of his own uh, uh, religious self-righteousness, actually participated in killing the Christians. 
In fact, he was so anti-Jesus uh, that he went around and rounded up people, anyone that would, would speak the name of Jesus and, and torture them, beat them, and even put them to death. So we're talking about someone who is guilty not just of a personal sin, but he is guilty of attacking God himself, of, of, of saying, God, this Messiah you sent is not the one, and we reject him. And so we're talking a man who knew guilt before God. And yet when he came face to face with Jesus and finally repented and was restored and transformed and made new, it says, does it say that Paul never brought up his past again? No. In fact, over and over Paul reminds everyone, he says, you don't understand, I'm the worst of all sinners. I'm the least of the apostles. Don't look at me, but I remember what I did. But here's what he always, but here's what he says. Let's pick it up in Romans chapter 8. Even though he was guilty, even though Paul acknowledges all the things that in his past were wrong. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. He says this. But there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Here's where we need to start today. You need to let these words, this verse needs to be our anthem when we deal with guilt, when we deal with regret, when we deal with disappointment, when we deal with stress and anger. We need to begin to let this fill our mind. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? There is no consequences are you guilty? Yes, you're guilty. And we need to embrace the guilt until we come before God and acknowledge the guilt. God, I'm guilty. I've blown it. Um, uh, then we can never deal with this. But when we embrace it, when we come to Jesus and begin to acknowledge this, Jesus, you, I, I, I'm guilty. Then we can receive the grace of freedom. Remember we sang that song, Who the Son Sets Free is free indeed. You can never become free until you admit that you are enslaved. Until you admit that you need freedom, you can never find freedom. Otherwise, you're just pretending and you're just living life inside of a cell, pretending like, like it's not there. But if you will acknowledge it, then you can say like Paul, there's no condemnation. I am guilty. But God has taken away the condemnation. When he looks at me, he does not condemn me. He understands who I am. He sees me in my dirt and my brokenness. And he sees me in, in my hurts and what other people have done to me. And he says, I choose you anyway. I love you. It is in the middle of that that we begin to embrace the grace of God, the love of God. And there is no condemnation. Now, where does it say we need to be? It says it, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So here's the key. To be free of condemnation, to, to have no more guilt, uh, to, 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 not, to understand my flaws, but to release my guilt, 
that, that weights me down, that debt is taken care of, to release the debt, to free the debt. Now, I still have my flaws, and the action that happened is still there, and I recognize that, but what I forget, what I let go of, is the condemnation. You see, that's what God talks about when he says, from the east to the west, here's what I let lot and go of, is there's no condemnation. I don't even see condemnation. God does not look at us like, you need to pay me back. You owe me something. That's gone. The owe, the debt is gone. And it needs to stop being remembered. That's what we need to forget. But we need to be in Christ to receive that. Now, to be in Christ means that just as we say guilt, you are not the boss of me anymore. There is no more condemnation. What we need to say is, Jesus, you are the boss of me. Because now I have surrendered to Jesus. I have come and said, Jesus, because of what I've done in my life, because of what I've experienced, because of my scars, maybe I haven't done it, but other people have, I need you to control me. We need to be in Christ. It doesn't just mean I believe in you, Jesus. It means we surrender to Jesus. Jesus, you are the boss of me. When we make Jesus the boss of us, that God have your way in my life, whatever you need to change, you need, I give you that, that freedom. Then we become people who are in Christ. We are under the control of Christ. We are under the rule of Christ. That means Christ does not become an advisor. Now here's the problem. We are not, many of us are not in Christ. We are walking alongside Christ. And Jesus, okay, I'm, a, can I, I'm at a place, I don't know what to do. What, what, what should I do here? What do you think? Okay, I'll take that under advisement. That's how we treat Jesus. And when we treat Jesus as an advisor, a counselor, okay, God, what should I do here? Okay, thanks a lot. All right, I'll get back to you next time. Then you are never going to be free of the condemnation. We must be in Christ. Now, it goes on, and here's why we need to let Jesus be the boss of us. Because it says in, eight, in the next verse, it says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus, from the law of sin and death. So it says that there is something in Jesus that has changed us from the condemnation of sin and death into this, what he calls the law of spirit and life. So in other words, if you want to live your life just trying to do what's good, letting God advise you, you are always going to be under the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death means you make the decisions. If you're living your life by your own decisions, I'll decide what I do with my time, I'll decide what I do with my money, I'll decide what I do with my friends, I'll choose my own friends, then you are under the law of sin and death, and it will always bring condemnation. But it says that if you are in Christ, and you let him be the boss, he becomes the law of our life. But it's not a law of what we deserve, it is now a law of spirit and life, because Jesus when he becomes the boss of us, he begins to make decisions that bring us into life. He will always lead us, not in the easiest path, but always in the path that frees us, that gives us the greater options, that leads us to the best destinations. Now, why does Jesus have the right to do that and the ability to bring life and death? 
Next verse tells us. It says, for God has done what the law, and when he says the law there, he's talking about us deciding things for our own life, even following the commandments. But it is weakened by the flesh because it's only got the power of what we have by our own heart, by our own abilities. And so that weakens the ability of the law. And the, so God did what that law could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He became like us in our weakness. And for sin, uh, he condemned sin in the flesh. In other words, Jesus took on our abilities that we could not overcome sin. And so he took that, that very guilt that we had in our flesh and he became sin and he took the condemnation. So he was condemned. He took the debt that we owed and paid it fully before God. He took the full wrath of God for our sin um, he took the full uh, wrath of creation for our sin. He took the very consequences of sin itself. In other words, um, uh, the, the end result of sin, the decay and, and everything that sin does to us, he took that in him. And so he paid the price. He fulfilled all the condemnation. And he did this in order that the righteous requirement of the law would be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So he's saying Jesus paid the debt. Now we have a choice. We can even say, Jesus, you paid the debt. In other words, you bought out my contract, right? It's like if you were a baseball player, uh, you know, uh, playing for one team, they put you on waivers, and another team picks you up on waivers. They say, we will, we're willing to pay out your contract, but you have a choice. You can report to the new team, or you can go your own way and just be out of the league. Jesus says, I've paid the debt. I've picked up your contract, but you have a choice. You have to set your mind, you choose with your mind that I am going to say yes to Jesus, I'm going to play on your team. I'm going to come and report and you now own me. You now are my boss. You now tell me how to live my life and I will live my life according to your requirements because you have paid the debt. When we do that, then we receive all the benefits that that ownership gives us. We are now allowed and have the freedom uh, to play and to, to experience all of our potential. But if we say, I will not let you fully control me. Yeah, I want to play, but 
I'm not always going to do your will. Then you go your own way. And there is not going to be the opportunity uh, to find full expression. You are going to have to uh, uh, find your own way. And that way will always lead to death. So if we set our mind on the flesh, saying, I'm going to live my own way. I'll deal with my guilt, my own way. I'll just deal with it and, and it won't hurt me. He's saying, that's fine. It's going to lead to death. Because you don't have the ability that you think you have. And so if we let that continue to be the boss of us by simply saying, I'll deal with it. When we say, I'll deal with it and choose our own way, then that guilt, even though you think you're dealing with it, is actually controlling you. And so we need to begin to set our mind on Christ and begin to yield ourselves to Christ because as we yield ourselves to Christ, now it might mean sacrifice. It may mean a whole change of the way your life is going right now. For, for some of us, there are things that... that we think we don't need to change because it's not a sin. It's not something wrong. It's not something, you know, that, but yet it's controlling you. And until you let God change it, and there might be a, a lot of inconveniences. It may not even be as, you know, fun. And yet you need to let God control your life. And even though there'll be a, there, there will be a time of transition where it may not always be easy, I will tell you that in the end, you'll be playing for the championship team. And there becomes more fun and life as you let God begin to lead you and grow you into those things. Now, it comes. It's like anything. It, there's a discipline about it that it doesn't come right away, but it grows within you. So I want to say to you today, whatever you're dealing with, is there a weight in your life? Is there something, maybe you don't feel guilty, but you just feel, you know, out of balance. You need to start saying, you know what, heart, you're not the boss of me. I'm going to set my mind and I'm going to be in Christ. Jesus, I'm going to begin to live a new life the way you call me to. And in that, I'm going to find that there is no condemnation. And I'm going to speak that over my life. There is no condemnation for those in Christ. And when we begin to set our minds on Christ, you see, it doesn't mean you have to do anything to earn it. You don't have to try harder. You don't have to do better. Jesus says, okay, you can come if you, you fix these things and then you do better. No, you just need to set your mind on Christ. God, I'm just going to follow you. I'm just going to put my mind on you. And if you have set your mind on Christ, there is no condemnation. Jesus, he'll take care of those things. And when we begin to set our minds in Christ, there's two things. We can let go of the weight. But here's the second thing. When you set your mind on Christ and feel the freedom of no condemnation, here's what you need to do. You've got to let other people go too. Because here's what it says, there's no condemnation in Christ. If we are in Christ, we need to stop condemning others. We need to let go of others. There's no condemnation. Jesus has paid the price for those that have hurt you. Maybe in the past, the guilt that you're feeling is because of the hurt of other people's guilt. You need to understand that Jesus did not only take on your guilt, 
but he took on their guilt. How many have ever felt like I'd I would just love to crucify them for what they've done to me? Well, let me tell you, that is why Jesus was crucified. When you look at that person, I want you to look at the crucified Jesus and say, you can be happy, you can do fine. What they did was crucified and they paid the price. They paid the price through Christ on the cross. And so if we are going to find the freedom of no condemnation, then you've got to understand that everyone else that has hurt you is free now. There's no condemnation in Christ. And we need to let them go. We need to set our mind. So instead of setting our mind on the flesh of what has happened in the past, setting our mind, I accept it and I realize that that's my story. But my mind is set on Christ. And there's freedom in Christ. And so even though I remember what happened, glory to God, Jesus has set me free. So when we move in to this life of letting Jesus be the boss of us, we are free from the hurts of what other people did because Jesus has paid the price. But here's the last thing. When we truly set our mind on Christ and realize the love of Christ, how much he loved you, what he did for you, that he went through this for you, that you are free, now you can set God free. You need to stop holding God accountable for what has been unfair because how can you hold on to those things when Jesus gave everything for you? You need to begin to see that God was working his plan in you. Even what you thought was unfair that God did not do, you need to let it go because God died for you. That in the cross, he was making a way for you to receive more than you ever deserved. And when we realize that he has given us more than we ever deserved, we need to let go of the guilt that we have against God himself. Because he is offering us so much more than what you ever thought you should, should have deserved before. Because here's the thing. He is giving us what we don't deserve. And because of that, we can now begin to give out what people do deserve. And here's the only debt that the Bible tells us. That now, the only debt that we have to pay is love for one another. So what people do deserve is we can love them. They deserve our love. They deserve our compassion. They deserve our forgiveness and freedom that comes through Christ. And when we begin to give that out, rather than the anger that comes from the guilt, we find a freedom that begins to put us back in balance. The weight is gone, and we can now run a race full of perseverance, all of a sudden we will find that life has more meaning. Even when it's hard, you know what? It's satisfying. Even when it's difficult and painful, we can see that God is working something greater than this pain. But only because I have surrendered myself that I am no longer mine, but I am Christ and that I am his. Close with these words. Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. In other words, let me be the boss of you. I'm going to put a yoke on you. That means you put that on a horse, or that means you're controlled. By but if you take Jesus' yoke, he says, take my yoke, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest 
For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not a weight. In fact, if you will let me be the boss of you, you will find freedom. Those other slave drivers are killing you. But Jesus said, come to me. Will you come to me and let me give you rest? Let's bow our heads.